0: Welcome to the Higher Enlightenment Podcast, brought to you by Higher Yields Cannabis Consulting, your seed-to-sale business solutions team. My name is Adam, your host and part of the creative team here at Higher Yields. Today's episode deals with the international cannabis supply chain. The supply chain of the cannabis industry is made up of five stages in the processing of marijuana. The first stage is cultivation of the plants... This is followed by extraction of cannabinoids. From there, the next stage is testing. Distribution and retail are the fourth and last stages, respectively. Today's guests are Corey Wagner, Anthony Adkins, and Jay Fentress. So let's meet them and get on with the show. Alright, let's start with Corey. Corey, can you give us a little background on yourself and tell us what you do?
1: Thanks, Adam, and good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Corey Wagner, I'm the CEO here at Higher Yields Consulting. I uh, started Higher Yields about six years ago. Um, really focused more so on cannabis, but as uh, cannabis has grown both domestically and internationally, we've started to to work our way into uh, some international projects as well. We've I think we've worked in about ten or eleven different countries now. We've helped a few countries with their federal regulations and a couple of our clients get licensed. Um, to start to develop out certain portions of the cannabis supply chain. So uh, really happy to be here and excited to answer some questions.
0: Well, thanks for being here, Corey. Anthony, could you give us a little background on yourself and what you do?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Adam. Thank you so much. And uh, good to good to hear you. Good to see you. <laughs> um, I'm Anthony Atkins. I'm the Director of Business Development with Higher Yields. Uh, and uh, definitely... Um, here to develop both markets internationally and, uh, and nationally. I have a deep background in uh, telecom and technology, especially in the Latin American North American markets in uh, those emerging developing countries. And i uh, very excited about uh, not only this podcast, but what Higher Yields is doing on a, on a global scale. So very exciting.
0: Okay. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, so Jay, could you give us a little background on yourself?
3: Sure. My name is Jay Fentress. I'm uh, director of sales and marketing at Mid-American
0: Growers, a uh,
3: 3.2 million square foot greenhouse in central Illinois where we're proudly growing some good old American midwestern hemp.
0: Well thanks for being on. The supply chain itself may sound simple, but what are the major complexities that don't seem as apparent to an outsider looking in?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of complexity complexities obviously I think the first is uh, transportation and shipping. There's so many more hands that touch the product in the international side of things than uh, domestically. And make sure you know who you're working with from a shipping standpoint, make sure that the brokers or the um the port folks, you, you, you got paperwork and you know who's doing what. Um that's, I think, the biggest the biggest piece. And then, who are you working with? Um, develop that relationship. Make sure you, you know who you're working with, I think, is the longest and easiest answer to that.
1: Um, yeah, and I think just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, one of the issues, uh, hemp and cannabis, you know, is, I think, a big concern is who's going to get stuck with the bill. Because some of these, if you don't know who you're working with, if you're not familiar with logistics, then... A lot of times these things will get caught up in customs, and if they do you know it's so, it slows down that process to get them through and you may lose your purchaser on the other side or you know if it's uh, raw material, it could certainly degrade while it's, it's sitting there in customs um, and kind of determining who's going to be responsible for the bill if that happens it makes it really difficult to kind of build that trust between people
0: okay. How does rapidly changing regulation affect international distribution networks in real time?
1: I would say one of the biggest things is we're seeing now, you know, both domestically and internationally, more markets coming on board. And as they are, it seems like some countries and and states, everyone is looking to, they want to replicate something they know will work, but then they also want to kind of put their own twist on it. Um... And those twists can sometimes be good, and sometimes they can be really bad. It's, it's one of those things that where a lot of times theory doesn't – while it makes sense in theory, it may not make sense in practice. And in order to get to that practice and make it on theoretical, you, know, you kind of got to go through that process. And as you're going through the process, that's where you learn those hard lessons. And so with, um, with things changing so much so rapidly – you know, I guess the other thing would be that more, more markets are starting to come on board so there's becoming more options to be able to move these things around, which is, is really helpful and exciting for the industry.
0: So why is purchasing an inventory for cannabis still done on a mostly ad hoc basis?
1: I would say due to a lot of the types of people who are in the industry, a lot of them are reactive rather than proactive. And I think some of the idea that a lot of these things are done ad hoc is actually somewhat of a misconception, and it's not. And What I mean by that is it seems like every day we get a call for somebody who wants to buy a 1,000 kilos of distillate, but when it comes to showing the money, and they need it yesterday, but when it comes to showing the money and, and moving on it and transacting on it, they don't. So I feel like the people who try to move ad hoc a lot of times is, is one of the main, one of the biggest red flags that we see if somebody's probably not that serious about purchasing product. And the people who, like Jay had mentioned earlier, you know, the ones that you can build those relationships with and, and gain that trust and go through the process together and find the ways that work and understand the things that won't work. Um, it, it creates a lot more of a traditional relationship for, for buying and selling these products.
3: You know, to, to that point,
1: Corey, it's a really good point. Um, it reminds me of
3: a conversation I had with a um, a buyer recently, and uh, he said, "Yeah, we got—I don't know. Let's just say I think it was a thousand kilos of distillate." And he says, "I know that's a that's a crazy one, so let's just start cutting it in half. Let's just pretend that it's a five hundred kilo uh, opportunity, and then we go and we talk through the bandwidth of it." Um, and we were either try to pursue it or, or we don't. In this case, we didn't. But I think it's a good practice to keep in mind that, yeah, there are a lot of uh, folks that are looking, might throw unicorn numbers out there. Um, it, it's incumbent on you, the responsible leader in the industry, or me, not necessarily you, Adam, or you, Corey, but it's incumbent on us as leaders to take the responsibility to vet those folks out. Because I can promise you the folks that, I've come across as real in my two and a half years in the industry are the ones that do take the time to talk that are the ones that take the time to be transparent about what they really need uniquely about the product, right? What are the dialing in specs that they need for their distillate or their isolate? What are the uh, metrics that they need for their, their smokable flower? Um, if they're not willing to go and have a conversation and spend the time, then you you pre- might, not want to spend that time either.
0: So what are the major conflicts that arise in participating in the international cannabis market and supply chain?
1: Yeah, I think we've hit on a lot of them. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely the, the relationships and the tire kickers are, you know, one of the big, big things that you have to overcome and just not wasting your time on those types of things. And knowing how to vet those things out and the questions asked to make sure you can get the information that you actually need and and make sure that they are real. Um, The logistics side of it, I I think was mentioned earlier too. And that, that in my opinion, has been the biggest issue, you know, getting some, some countries it's easy to get things out of some countries. It's easy to get things into and vice versa. Some countries is very difficult to get things out of. And some countries is very difficult to get things into. And with this being a new industry, you know, on the custom side of things, Um, There's a lot of paperwork that's required and needed to kind of help educate, but also that relationship there um, at customs to understand what's coming. And so it doesn't seem like you're trying to sneak anything by them, but you're being very transparent. So they understand what's coming. You're providing them that paperwork before it actually gets there. So they can kind of give you the head nod of, of what it's going to be and when they're going to be there to make sure that they can oversee that shipment for you. Um, I think logistics, in my opinion, is, is the, biggest, the biggest conflict in, in the international supply chain right now and causes the most issues for most people.
0: Okay, from a talent perspective, what qualities make for a solid international supply chain practitioner?
2: Yeah, the, the, from a talent perspective, it's it's individuals who have never participated in a global market. Uh, they've been isolated into their either their own country or just uh, cross border, and um, when they're vetting out and, and working outside of of that, it definitely puts a uh, a very downward pressure on the skills and experience. And what I mean by that is, no one's uh, you, you have a talent lack of talent in this industry, but also you have um, an interesting, um, you know, scope of, of talent that is coming potentially from other industries, um, but they're not in global global scale. Uh, so you don't have the negotiation element. You don't have someone paying attention to what is happening in, in not only their own country or their own state uh, as, as it relates to, you know, jumping out and venturing out into, you know, a certain theater, like the European theater or the Asia Pacific theater. And so um, a lot of individuals either, A, think that they, they understand and know uh, the global scale, the global market, um, and the international supply chain from this standpoint, and uh, they apparently don't. And uh, so they're, they're applying it almost as a, uh, as a base commodity, um, and uh, that's all they're doing is price shopping. And um, thinking that uh, you know from a price shopping standpoint that that's you know that gives them the insight and the, you know the ability to do that and so that it causes unrealistic expectations um, on the on potential partners and on potential suppliers and uh, other elements of that supply chain so the talent the, the talent piece of it is actually uh, what I found is is uh, is lacking uh, big time from that standpoint and it gets a uh, in so we're, we're looking for those relationships and as, as opposed to leaning in and learning and understanding, um, everyone seems to sort of you know, bow out, go out and uh, not, not communicate. And that's the worst thing you can do when, when there's a lack of, lack of talent, is not communicate with your suppliers, not communicate with your potential partners, uh, not communicate and, and seek to understand you know, what, uh, what that global theater is.
0: Okay, thanks. What changes need to occur to lower the costs of cannabis internationally?
1: I would think it's it's almost, um, I mean, to lower the costs, it just needs to be more globally accepted. And we need to kind of get through this this learning period to develop the standards. But I think kind of a better question is what needs to happen to maintain the quality of this product. And I think that goes back to the last question about talent and just experience and having good people in the industry who aren't just looking for the best price. They're looking for, um, like Jay mentioned earlier, very specific specs of what, what they're looking for. And I think as it becomes more globally accepted, it's going to be easier to find real people who have the exact products we're looking for because right now i feel like it's very narrow on the international level of like what people people are looking for very exotic things but it's very narrow as far as like what they can find
2: consistently
1: it's smokable flour with x percent of cbd or it's distillate at x percent of of uh, purity Um, but as the industry continues to evolve i think it's going to become just kind of like colorado you know, people are going to become more educated of what it is they're putting into their body, what it is they're consuming. Um, they're going to be looking for more specific types of products than than what they
2: are right now. Yeah, because, I mean, the focus needs to be on quality of product, not necessarily downward pricing elements. And when everyone just thinks it's <clears throat> when they try to reduce, you know, the the medicinal, the recreational element of, of a good product um, just because of a cost structure or for, for cost and, and that, that's misguided as well. So we have to, you know, a lot of us have to, I think, you know, continue to stay in that pocket and continue to maintain the value um, of the product throughout the, the entire supply chain.
3: Well, another, another thing to keep in mind is as you have more countries internationally going on online Mm-hmm. You've got the old supply-demand conundrum. So, I, I at least expect over you know the next twelve, eighteen, twenty-four months, still some good opportunity internationally. Um, when you when you think about it, just here in us, us here in North America, is what a lot of the focus has been on from a from a hemp standpoint. Um, cannabis has been preceding that. International is, is almost going cannabis or medical cannabis and then hemp if they want. So there's a lot of changes. Therefore, that's creating a lot of demand, especially from the hemp side. Um, so actually demand is increasing internationally, which should only be good on upward pricing.
0: Okay. So how could the international supply chain create more value for the industry at large?
2: See, now this is important because um, the international supply chain has to be ecosystem driven. I really, truly believe that. And when you have an ecosystem, it has to work together. And it's for those who don't want to participate in either A, developing the key partnerships that are going to be crucial um, in order to make that supply chain function and function at a very high level. Um, but, uh, you know, taking that from that standpoint, the ecosystem has to be predictable, has to be sustainable, has to be accountable, and has to be responsible. And uh, it's really going to rely on uh, the players, um, some of the movers and shakers, some of the folks who really want to see this industry thrive, uh, not only in their respective uh, nation, territories, areas, but also on a global, global scale, global level. And so um, I know Higher Yields is definitely committed uh, to not only continuing to you know, develop the ecosystem, but make sure that ecosystem is those four aspects of accountability, responsibility, predictability, sustainability. It's, uh, it's very, very important that uh, the integrity, you know, moves through the supply chain, uh, that people deliver what they say they're gonna deliver. And uh, those connections, those solid connections are made. And uh, just understanding and knowing that it's, uh, it, it's a big world. <laughs> There's a lot of, a lot of space um, for a lot of players. And, um, you know, those partners, those players in, in, the, in the global theater, we're um, going to have to, you know, really make sure that the bringing bringing forth that integrity into, you know, ecosystem uh, solidification and develop continued development.
0: Can you guys share any firsthand experiences uh, with the international supply chain?
1: Yeah, I would just say, you know, like firsthand experience. Some of the things that we've seen, um, you know, a few years ago, we helped the federal government of Mexico with setting up their cannabis. And earlier this year, that was passed, like early mid January. And um, we've been working to try to bring in CBD products into the country. But legally, for the longest time, you weren't allowed to import CBD. You weren't allowed to grow CBD, but you could sell it, which, you know, we're not really sure how that's even possible if you can't grow it, extract it, or um, import it in. And so we thought that when the regulations passed in early January, that we would have much more success being able to move product across the border. And our concern was really more so on the U.S. side, being able to get it out. But we're actually able to find logistics to be able to move the product out of the United States. Um, And our big holdup was being able to import it. And it's still our big holdup five months later, um, being able to import it into Mexico, even though there are rules and regulations that would would allow it. Yeah, it's, it it goes back to the shipping.
3: I mean, I hate to keep saying that the shipping and the the agreement, um, and it all goes back to can we get can we get the stuff from customs if customs takes it? <laughs> 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 right? I got. Uh, I'll be honest. You know, we've been we've been um, fairly successful over the course of the last twelve months shipping product overseas but it, even to this point uh, with our team, and I feel our team is substantial in terms of the number of people and the experiences that we put together. We each take a collective deep breath when product leaves the greenhouse to go international. Um, and it's almost, it, you, you hold your breath until you get the word that it, it passed through customs. Um, maybe I'm just scratching the surface, but as an industry, we need to feel more comfortable with that, but that's, that's not anything that's gonna be solved um, today. So I think one of the things that we focused on is how do, we, how do we dumb down the shipping, if you will? How do we make it so that um, we work with our logistics team partner? And one of the ideas is uh, creating uh, wood crates. Well, that adds weight, that adds time, and that adds money. Uh, but these are some of the things that our partners are asking us for and any good partner would go down that path and explore it so uh, i guess that's the best example of working with a partner understanding some of the challenges with the logistics and how do you overcome it knowing that we're not going to change the external but we can take care of what we all can control in that partnership
0: well thanks guys i think that's all the time we have for today like to thank you very much for being on the podcast, and I hope to be speaking with you guys again very soon.
3: Sure thing. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Hey, Take Jay. care. Uh, so it. Have a good thank weekend, guys.
0: We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today and listening to our podcast. For information on how to follow the Higher Enlightenment Podcasts, please be sure to check out the description below. You'll receive all the latest and greatest podcast news and announcements. We'll also let you know when we release new episodes. If you'd like to be a guest on the Higher Enlightenment Podcasts, or have ideas about upcoming episodes, please be sure to check out the description below. For information about sponsorship or advertising on the Higher Enlightenment podcast please call us at 844-HIGH-YIELD, that's 844-H-I-Y-I-E-L-D, or visit our website at higheryieldsconsulting.com. Thanks, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.